0: hey pastor josh here thanks so much for watching our videos if you'd like more information about legacy city church you can go to legacycitychurch.com please don't forget to like subscribe and hit the bell below god bless you all right we are in matthew chapter 22 in our bibles matthew chapter 22 and this is sermon number 85 through the book of matthew and we are having a blast walking through the text really analyzing the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, his teachings. And that's why I've titled this series, Jesus Worldview. Jesus Worldview. The title of the message today, if you're taking notes, is what is the dress code? What's the dress code? What is the dress code? Have you ever gone to a special occasion and had the wrong clothes on? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, You miss the dress code, you know, and you show up. I'll never forget, I went to a funeral and I looked like I was going to the beach. (laughs) I had sandals on, I had like these, I don't know, these Quicksilver like pants on and these plaid pants on and like a red long sleeve shirt and uh, I I had long flowy hair, use your imagination. and. I, I walked into this place, I'm probably 19, 20 years old, and again, it's just like, I was just naive. Like, I just didn't realize. And I remember somebody pulled me aside afterwards, like, gosh, don't you have anything formal, you know? Like, don't you know, you know? Yeah, this is somebody who I love and respect. You know, he's trying to encourage me, trying to help me. Because uh, you don't show up to these uh, occasions uh, looking like it's time to go to the beach. Uh, you're trying to, you know, show, show some honor and respect. But we, we have this issue as well. Even in trying to come to church, you know, like a lot of people even ask. I I remember talking to a homeless guy on the street. I was trying to invite him, like, come worship with us. Come on, come on in. He's like, no, no, I I can't go. I'm like, why not? He's like, well, well, I don't have a suit. I don't have anything nice to wear. I said, dude, you come just as you are. God loves you just as you are. You don't have to have a suit. If you want to wear a suit, wear a suit. Come on in. Five-piece looking fancy. I love it. If all you got is sandals and some shorts and a shirt, come on in that, that's fine too. God doesn't look at the exterior as man looks. He looks at the heart. And really, that is the heart of the gospel. You see, today, the whole world, we will see in our text, is being invited to the wedding, feast, supper of the Lamb. The wedding of God. And everyone is invited. The whole earth is invited. Anybody who wants to come and show up, you're welcome to show up. And we want to make sure we have the right dress code, the right garments on. We say, well, what is the dress code of God? What is the dress code to that wedding, to that occasion? dress It's funny because when you go to a restaurant, you know, and you get reservations it's really hard you know it's it's like business casual semi-formal formal formal. it's 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 hard to decipher sometimes and you're like okay and I'm like babe does this work is this good like what do you think and I'm always asking my wife uh my wife dresses me okay you know I just say babe, does this look good you like this okay that's what I'm wearing and uh she said that doesn't look good don't wear that then I do it she didn't dress me today so it's not on her if I look terrible okay I ran out of the house with this on you know said okay babe she's in the back and I goes okay she gave me a thumbs up okay good (laughs) Brothers, what your wife says matters, really, in the end, uh, that's all that matters. She says it looks good. You definitely want to wear that, okay? Uh, You definitely want to wear that. Dress code. Again, today in the text before us, we see God sending out his people, his servants, to go welcome and send out invitations to the whole world to come to the wedding of God. And you will be shocked to see what happens. Me too. As I read this text again, my eyes are opened and it's a, very, um, it's a very joyful moment and then a very shocking moment at the end. But it grabs our hearts and it grabs our minds and it pulls us in to want to know what God requires. He has shown thee, O oh man, what is good and what God requires of thee to do justly, to love mercy and just walk humbly with your god amen we're in matthew chapter 22 in our bibles can we stand for the reading of god's word we always stand for the reading of god's word to pay honor to him and to remember whose word we are reading not mine my words can't change you but god's word will change you forever i'm telling you that's why we focus on it each and every week and that is my joy and my pleasure and my blessing is hopefully to impart the word of god to you in clear english Uh, As clear as day so that you can take it and meditate on it day and night and you can share it with your friends and your family members and, and think about it this week and reflect on what God is up to, what he is doing, Jesus' worldview. Matthew chapter 22 starting in verse 1, take a look at your text. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again in parables, saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent out his slaves, some of your text says servants, to call those who had been called to the wedding feast, and they were unwilling to come. And he sent out other slaves, saying, tell those who have been called, behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fat and livestock are all butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went their way, one to his own farm, another to his own business. And the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. But the king was enraged and he sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. Then he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those who were called are not worthy. Go therefore to the main highways and as many as you find there, call them to the wedding feast. And to those slaves who went out into the street and gathered together all they found, both good and evil, And the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests but when the king came in to look over the dinner guests he saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes and he said to him friend how did you come in here without wedding clothes and the man was speechless and the king said to his servants bind him hand and foot and throw him into outer darkness in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called but few are chosen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this story. We pray now that you would show us its meaning. Would you open our eyes? Would you open our hearts to understand what the Lord Jesus is trying to say to us today? Help us to see your plan. Help us to see your work. Help us to see the party in front of us, the wedding, the invitation. Help us to see what you are giving out to the world, your grace, your mercy, your patience. Oh Father, would you work through this text, work through your word once again in our hearts, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Remember, flashback, we are still in the middle of Passion Week in our story, or Easter week in our story. The Lord rode into Jerusalem on a donkey as the Lord proclaimed, as the people proclaimed him King and Messiah on Palm Sunday, we saw. As his first act as King and Messiah, he walks into the temple and he clears the den of thieves, the money changers, and he condemns the temple. And then the next day he curses a fig tree and it withers and dies. And it's all a picture of the fruitlessness of Israel, God's people. And the Lord condemns the works of the religious leaders and their empty shell of religion. They were fakes. We saw the religious leaders then challenge the Lord Jesus and his Messiahship. And he not only proves his authority, but he reveals their fake hearts and reveals the true heart of God for sinners. Last week, we saw the Lord Jesus tell a parable. Do you remember? About the big picture and history of salvation. Um, He owned a vineyard and and remember he sent servants out to 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 help this vineyard grow he rented it out to uh, Some and they didn't do anything with it. They didn't produce any fruit So he says forget it then I'm gonna find uh, another group that will come in and make this vineyard grow And as he sent his servants out to the vineyard to try to help those who couldn't make it grow they killed them You know, that's a picture of the history of salvation and how the nation of Israel rejected the prophets of old, but God is still choosing to save in this day. Praise God! And today we will see a similar, similar, excuse me, parable shown through a wedding feast. Many invited, but few show up. Many called, but few are chosen. The great J.C. Ryle says this about parables. He said parables are like a multi-sided precious stone cut so as to cast luster in more than one direction cut so that light beams and glows from all kinds of different directions the parable is the same we get to look from all these different angles and it ministers and talks to us from all kinds of different angles because we're all in different parts of the story we're all different characters in the story we're all processing differently Look at our text today, it says Jesus answered and spoke to them again in parables. Who's he talking to? Surely his disciples are there, but he is continuing on the conversation with the religious leaders. Do you remember who these guys were? They got the garbs on, they got the robes on, they are the scholars of the day, they are those who know the text per se, and Jesus just keeps schooling them over and over and over again. Haven't you read, haven't you read? Don't you know the Old Testament? because they had this holy exterior, but they were far from God. And so this is who he's speaking the parable to again. And he says in verse two, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Our first two characters in the parable, in the story is first is the king. The king is God the father. And second, can you guess who his son is? Jesus, the Lord Jesus. And then we have a wedding feast, a wedding feast for his son. The father plans a wedding for his son, a marriage union between God the Father and those on the earth brought together through his son, the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. Come to the wedding and see the union between our family and the earth. Inviting them to come in and be joined to the family of God. Verse three, and he sent out his slaves to call those who had been called to the wedding feast and they were unwilling to come. The next in our story, the character is a slave or servant of the king. And these are the prophets of old. The prophets of old who went out to the people and called them or invited them, sent out the invitations to come to the wedding. Now, this is always a, uh, a difficulty for weddings now, isn't it? I've done way too many weddings, a lot of weddings, and uh, I love doing them. They're actually one of my favorite things to do because it's a, it's a joyful time of the ministry. I get to celebrate with people. And, and it's, it's just fun and, and enjoyable and a blessing. The hard things are obviously memorials and funerals and even sometimes preaching texts like this are not always the text of choice that I would look to. But weddings, you know, uh, those of you who have done them or had them, the RSVP time is not an easy one, right? You build out the guest list, you get your invitation ready, and then now we got these evites that go out and you click yes, no, maybe. (laughs) And you're trying to get the RSVP list figured out because uh, you got to know how many meals to have prepared, uh, so you can make payment to the people and they can bring enough food for everybody and all of the rest. And rule of thumb is that uh, most of the time about, I don't know, anywhere from 10 to 30% will not show up. And I've seen it happen. I literally, I mean, unless unless the wedding is dialed, most of the time when I show up, I plan on the wedding starting 15 to 30 minutes late every single time, because I know people. You know what happens? They forget their belt. We got to go to Target. I got to go get a belt. They forget their tie. They forget, you know, whatever it may be. See, I know all the guys, you know, I've noticed the guys forgetting stuff. You see, ladies got it dialed. They're stoked about the wedding. But God's servants go out and they call to those who were called. Hey, the invitation is out. Everybody, let's go. Come to the wedding. Those who are called are the nation of Israel and the religious leaders that Jesus is talking to. Did not the Torah come to you? Did not the Ten Commandments come to you? Did not God show up in the nation of Israel, in Jerusalem, set up a temple? Did not all of it happen right in your midst? Are you not the called of the earth? Are you not going to come to the wedding? Hello, you are the invited, you are the called. But they were unwilling to come, the text says. What? Of all weddings on the planet you get invited to, you get an RSVP from God himself. And you're unwilling to show up. I ain't got time for that. I'm sorry. I'll I'll click a maybe on that. Verse 4 says, Again he sent out other slaves saying, other servants saying, Tell those who have been called, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fattened livestock are all butchered and everything is ready to go. Come to the wedding feast. Hi, Bubby. That's my son. (laughs) God the Father sends out his prophets, his Messiah, his apostles and calls to the nation of Israel again to come to the feast, come to the wedding. The party is ready and set. It's funny because if you sent out this invitation to LA, few would show up. Listen again. I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fattened livestock are all butchered and everything is ready. Come on, it's a joke. Lighten up, people. Come on. Nobody in LA ever butch- butchered a cow, not one. They would never. They're like, wait a minute, this meat has been butchered? (laughs) All meat is butchered. (laughs) Did they kill the chicken? Yeah. My four-year-old daughter gets this. Here's a more palatable way to say it. The filet mignon and the chicken marsala is ready. Or to those in the south, the meat has been smoked. The barbecue is ready. What are you waiting for? Let's go. The party is ready. The call by God to the nation of Israel, His people, is great and generous and gracious. It's crazy that people don't want to show up to the wedding of God. What, what, what is the oxen? What is the fatted calf that he, has, that he has slaughtered for us? It's unbelievable peace that no one can purchase. It is rest that only comes from God for our souls. It is wisdom beyond all the treasures of the world. It is promises that he keeps forever and ever. It is being welcomed into his kingdom and his family. You get to be sons and daughters of the king, though we were once enemies of him. That's the fatted calf that he has slaughtered and that he's made. Look at the feast, the table that I have placed before you. Remember that movie, Hook? Remember, they sit down at the table, and all of a sudden, all the food shows up. Remember, bangerang, Rufio. <laughs> the feast of the Lamb of the Lord God is set before you. A table is set, and he's just sending out invitations, and people don't want to show up. But still to this day, many don't care. Look at verse 5. In the parable, he gives the reason, but they, don't, they paid no attention and went their way. One to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. The phrase, but they paid no attention and went their way, is most people. They paid no attention and just went on their way. Oh, that, that's, that's good for you it's good for you that you found that you found jesus and stuff that's good that's great man you know i think that's great for you you know it's good for you this is most people they pay no attention it's the greatest party in the universe and a lot just pass it by and say i got to go back to my farm i got to go back to my business i got stuff to do jc ryle said open sin may kill its thousands but indifference and neglect of the gospel." kill their 10,000s. Multitudes will find themselves in hell separated from God, not so much because they openly broke the Ten Commandments, but because they made light of the truth. A passive society focused on everything but God." And man, that is where we are at today. We literally are focused and consumed with everything Everything, everything, everything. I mean, it's amazing how we analyze every detail of the planet except God. Except the one who made us. No one ever wants to analyze where morality came from. Where did this come from? Why do you have this law written on your heart? And it seems to be on all humans in all places in all times that is not in the animal kingdom. That you're not supposed to murder your neighbor. You're not supposed to steal or take from the other over there. What is this in us? Where did this come from? But the animal kingdom, they'll murder their neighbor in a second and feel no guilt whatsoever and steal everything they have and go on their way. Survival of the fittest, baby. But oh, there's some law, some moral law, secretly hidden on the hearts of all humans in all places at all times, and we never question where that came from the complexity of our lives, the complexity of the human body and the human mind. We just wake up one day pre-programmed and do all of these amazing things. And no one ever thinks there just might be a creator behind all of it. Because I have never seen anything complex that hasn't come from some type of creator. You throw a seed in the ground and you dump some water on it and the sun shines on it and it is pre-programmed. It has presets within it to produce a tree magically and grow and just keep growing. And then it produces food for you to eat. There isn't a device or computer on the planet who can do things like this. We say this came from definitely a creator, but that thing over there, way complex, no way. How do we miss this stuff? again a passive society focused on everything but god romans tells us they worshiped everything but god some as mentioned in the parable seize god's servants mistreat them and put them to death they killed the prophets then they killed jesus then as the messiah and they killed the apostles all who are inviting them to come to the wedding are you sending on an invitation to the wedding kill him it's the wedding Of God verse 7 this is why it says but the king was enraged and he sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire God the Father was patient with Israel his people for thousands of years sending his servants Inviting them thousands of times thousands of emails of RSVPs. Are you coming? Are you coming? Are you coming? Are you coming? Are you com- Are you going to come? Are you going to be there? Are you going to be there for thousands of years? He has invited them and the people took it so far as to kill the ones who were inviting them and they took it even further as God sent his own son down to the earth as a messenger. He's like, maybe my son can go down and let every pe- all these people know. And they go and they kill him as well. So the king said, that is enough. He will allow the surrounding armies to come into Jerusalem and destroy the city and the temple. And it happened in 70 AD, it is history. After they killed Jesus, their great, beautiful, magnificent temple just approximately 35 years later would be destroyed. And look, really the Romans came in and they set fire to the temple. And watch this. Jesus actually said it was going to happen. He said, you see this temple? This whole thing is going to be dismantled and destroyed and every single stone will be pulled off of the other. They said it took so many years to build the temple. How in the world are they going to remove all the stones? You know what happened? The Romans set fire, history tells us, Josephus. the uh, The Jewish historian writes about this. And he says that they set fire to the temple and it burned to the ground that blocks. Everything was on fire and the gold from the temple seeped into the cracks of the stones. And so in order to get the gold out, they had to dismantle the entire temple. And it was dismantled just as Jesus said it would happen. God says, you kill my prophets, you kill my son, You kill the apostles. I'm just trying to invite you to the wedding. My patience has been exhausted. The city will now be destroyed. The Romans came and burnt it to the ground and they burnt the holy place of the temple to the ground. God's saying, this whole thing is over. My justice will now step in. I've been a father for thousands of years and now I come as judge. And I'm telling you, we are now in another season of grace where God is showing up as Father in such a magnificent way on the planet, but there will come a day when He steps in as judge and He won't let it go any farther because even a loving Father cannot let hatred and sinful, wicked living go on. Destroying people and destroying the earth, He's not going to allow it. Verse eight, then He said to His slaves, the wedding is ready, but those who were called were not worthy. He says, the wedding is still ready. What are we going to do? We got tables set. We got barbecue ready. And we got no guests. Nobody wants to show up. They didn't want to come. So they are not worthy to come. God tells his servants, well, go find new guests. Verse 9, go therefore to the main highways. As many as you find there, call to the wedding feast. And those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all they found, both good and evil. And the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. Is that awesome or what? Now we are entering the church age in our parable. The apostles went out into the world and spread the gospel to anyone and everyone who was willing to hear. No longer was the message of God bound to the nation of Israel. God told his servants, go out and invite everyone in the whole world. Anybody you see on the way, hey you, you want to come to the wedding? Hey you, you want to come? Anybody want to come? Anyone? Anyone? Anyone want to come party? The doors are open to the whole world. Anybody can come in anytime they want. Are you good? You should come. Are you evil? You should come too. Let everybody come in. Anybody who will hear, good and evil get the invitation with the gospel to come to God's wedding. Is that amazing or what? There's nothing else like this on the planet where there is an invitation from God to both good and evil. Because even in our own hearts, we don't want to invite certain people to our wedding, right? <laughs> you know, the 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 ultra weird third cousin, you know, I'm not going to invite them. If we had it our way, we would we would go down the streets here of L.A. and say, "You get into the wedding, you're not in. You're in, you're not. I like you, I don't like you." God says, "The doors are open. Come on in." Isn't that incredible? You know, He said that too. He said that to you. He said that to me. I'm the one on the highways and byways. I was the one not getting in. And somebody came up to me. Said, hey, you wanna come to the wedding? Me? Me? You're inviting me. But I don't have any clothes. I don't know if the, the king would let me in. Does he know who I am? Does he know what I've done? You're welcome. Come on in. Everybody can come in. Anybody who wants to come in is welcome. Family, this is the heart of God. And we must do this in L.A. We must do this in our city, in our towns, with our neighbors, with our friends, with our family, with our businesses. We must reach out. And say man i know about the greatest party in the universe it's with god and we need to get on inviting something has happened to the christian church here in la man we've been stuffed and suffocated almost to agree where christians are nervous to speak about their faith in god outside of these walls we're nervous about what people think and what they will say but i want to challenge you Aren't you thankful that somebody stepped out and said something to you? I don't know who it was. I don't know if it was your mom or dad. I don't know if it was a friend or a family member. I don't know who stepped out and took a step of faith and spoke to you. But I'm telling you, there are people in this city just waiting for somebody to invite them to the party. And they might say, me? You're sending me an invitation. I can't wait to be there. I can't wait the gospel is for everyone we can't forget this the Apostles did so they have been spreading the gospel the church has been spreading the gospel around the world for 2,000 years and the banquet hall is filled and will be filled it's been happening for 2,000 years and it the banquet hall is filled up and it's going to be filled when we sit there at the wedding feast of the Lamb. And I am so thankful that my dad, well, I should rewind back to my grandma. I should rewind back to my great-grandparents from Oklahoma, um, ministered the truth to my grandma. And my grandma ministered the truth to my dad. And my dad was forced to play organ and piano as a kid which he hated you know with the the black pedals and the 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 keys the two levels of keys and the we had a giant organ in my uh, in our living room growing up me and my brothers to jump you know we literally climb up on it and step on the keys and jump off of it but my dad used that music to glorify god and he played music in the church and then he taught me and my brothers to play and then we all play music and and, and I, I'll never forget, I think it was probably my 10th grade year. Um, I was a sophomore in high school. And I remember we didn't have much money that year. Um, and so all my dad was able to get us. There was only a couple gifts under the tree. And the gift under the tree that I opened there was a Bible. It's like a $20 NIV Bible. I still have it to this day. I remember my brothers getting all ticked. You know, it's like, what is this? A Bible? Who wants a Bible for Christmas? We want something cool, we want something fun. We want well, a Bible. That's all my dad could afford. So he got us Bibles. There's my name on there, Joshua Thompson in Silver. My dad writes me a little note in the front. And little did he know. that it would impact my life forever, and continue to impact my life, to impact all these people's lives in LA, impact my children's lives and my children's children's life. Because someone invited me to the wedding. Now, what if my dad chose not to do that? I'm telling you, you never know where people are at. I didn't know as a sophomore that that thing, that $20 gift, that cheap, nobody wants gift was going to be the gift that impacts my life forever and actually would be the greatest gift ever given to me, right? Because all the other stuff, I don't even remember what it is. The remote control car, I ran into the pool The gift that doesn't keep on giving, right? (laughs) Jesus makes a distinction, and a very important one in the parable. Let me nail that home one more time, please. The gospel is for everyone, and you never know who God is saving, okay? You never know. You may share the gospel with someone, you may invite them to church, you may send them a message, you may say, you never know. It could be the moment, boom, the lights turn on and you're like, You were just the guy that led Billy Graham to the Lord Jesus and all of a sudden he turns around and preaches the gospel to millions on the planet. You never know. Jesus makes a distinction, a very important one in the parable. Look at verse 11 to 14, and we close here. When the king came in to look over the dinner guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes, and he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless, he doesn't say anything. Then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot and throw him into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. That's, that's radical, man, it's hard to read, to be honest. Shocking, and that's the point. It's to grab your eyes. It's to grab your heart and say, wait, wait, what? What's going on here? Why did the king do that? This guy got in and he was not dressed with the right garments on. And he says to him the word friend. Bible students, very interesting word here. This is the same word that Jesus used when he looked at Judas when he came to betray him. He said, friend, have you come to betray me with a kiss? Friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And the servants bind this guy hand and foot, which is a gnarly picture, in front of all the wedding guests, and they throw them out. And then he says, For many are called, few are chosen. Listen, the the king notices this man who doesn't have the right clothes on for the wedding. He missed the dress code. It's scary, sharp, and sobering. But... It's because eternity is real. Judgment is real. That's why Jesus is pointing it out. Do you remember who his listeners were? He's pointing out to the listener, the guys in front of him, the fake religious leaders. These guys, he says, he's basically saying to them, you can try and sneak into the wedding with your religious garb and all your, all your stuff, but in the end, you will not have the right clothes on because the king can see through it all. What is the dress code to get into the wedding feast of the Lamb and get into heaven? What's the dress code? It is righteousness. Where do you get righteousness from? How do you get it? You get it from Him and you get it by faith. By Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him what? Righteousness. Faith is what produced the righteousness so that we can get into heaven. It is faith. It is true faith. True faith in God that produces love. You believe in God. You believe in him at his word. You believe in the work of Jesus and you're following him. You believe that. And it actually produces something in your life. It produces more love for people. It produces good works of righteousness around you. And they're works under God's glory. People can put on all kinds of other clothes and try to get into the wedding. They put on fake holy exterior. They put on knowledge. They put on doing good things. They put on success. They put on passive, a passive life of not wanting to deal with God and their own sin. There are many different outfits the world puts on, but there is only one that gets you into heaven. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, And without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. James chapter 2 verse 14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing. You say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? James says, so you see... Faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is deeds and, or its deeds are useless and dead. The faith is dead. Now someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds, good works. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. I believe Jesus is Lord. I believe that he is my savior. And now I will demonstrate to you that he actually is Lord over my life. Watch my life. I'm trying to honor him by loving and serving people around me. I'm trying to live out righteousness for his glory. James is arguing that some say they believe in God, but they, they have no proof in their life. There have been no, there has been no heart change. And this is what the religious leaders were doing they were all had all the holy gear on right they had everything they were all all geared out the robes they had the lingo down they had the religious talk they even studied the scriptures but they never had true heart change they never truly believed in james chapter 1 verse 22 be doers of the word not only hearers otherwise you're deceiving yourself many are called but few are chosen. The call goes out to the whole world, but few are chosen. First John four ten. Herein is love, not that we loved God. No, no, no. Mm-mm. But that He loved us first, and sent His Son to be the propitiation of our sins. John 15, 16, you did not choose me, Jesus said, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. You did not choose me. I chose you. I loved you first. I initiated. I sent out the invitation. I am the one who died. I am the one who initiated. I am the one who called Jeremiah before he was even born. You will be my prophet. Don't I have a choice in it? Sorry, bud, you're my prophet. Mary, surprise, you're pregnant. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 I didn't plan on this. Sorry, this is the plan. Um, Surprise, you're pregnant, and uh, you don't get to name him. Uh, His name's Jesus, because he's going to save his people from their sins. This is the whole plan. It's already been mapped out. Me and my son, we've talked about this for eternity's and we got this figured out. So this is the plan, okay? You see, it's my job to call all to come to the wedding. Everyone. I am to call to everyone to come to the wedding. It is God's job to save. I can't save anyone. All I can do is call. His love is being shouted to the world, and it is our job to repent and turn to him in true faith. Believe on what he has said and follow him, and have the right garments on when you enter the wedding one day. That's it. And some of you are worried, do I have the right wedding garments on? And I want to believe that you do in Jesus' name is he your lord is he your savior you say yes and amen just walk with him just walk with him let it display through your life and you will walk into that wedding one day and you will sit at the table and you will you will not be able to believe that you're sitting at the table of the king you were invited and he walks over to you and says welcome Jesus said in Luke 9, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself daily, take up his cross, and follow me. That is the gospel message, Isaiah 55:1. is anyone thirsty, come and drink. Even if you have no money, come take your choice of wine or milk, it's all free, Isaiah says why spend your money on food that does not give you strength why pay for food that does you no good listen to me and you will eat what is good you will enjoy the finest foods come to me with your ears wide open listen and you will find life and god says i will make an everlasting covenant with you come dine with me come sit at my table legacy church this is my hope our job is to go out into the streets of LA and invite as many as we'll hear to the wedding, good or evil. I don't care. I don't care where they've been. I don't care what they've done. Let's invite them to come and meet the king. He's prepared a feast for them. Amen? Haven't we tasted and seen that the Lord is good? How do we not want to invite others to let them know that God is good. He loves you. He just wants a relationship with you. He wants to help you. He wants to bless you come close to Him. stop running from him so we just mess up life and hurt a lot of people instead turn to him with all your heart amen let's pray father we thank you for your word today and we pray that you would go with us oh father would you go with us we need you to empower us to minister to the world around us Lord would we send out the invitation Lord, would you use us to minister to those around us? Who is it that you are saving? Who is it that you're already working in? And you've placed us in their life to pray for them, or to encourage them, or to invite them. Lord, I pray that you'd make it clear before us. I pray that conversations might even show up this week before us with our non-believing friends, family members, co-workers. And even as we're talking, Lord, we, we can see it happening in front of us. and We would take steps of faith to give them an invitation. Please, Lord, use us for your glory. Help us not just to sit at the table with arms crossed and enjoy the food, but help us to take it to all those who are hungry, all those who are thirsty. Use our church to minister to people here in L.A. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.